Hello, this is Julie Duffy. Hello, Julie Duffy. This is Jimmy Cavanaugh, your friend from Zoom. Oh, hi. Hey, Julie. I've got a great idea for a podcast. It's where we watch all the Fast and Furious films and then discuss them over breakfast. And here's the best bit. It's called Breakfast and Furious. You want to co-host it with me? Jimmy, that sounds really good, but uh, I'm kind of busy. Could I, like, do a part-timey? Yeah, just, like, come on any episode you want. <laughs> you know what I say to that? Let's go for a ride. What is he, sandwich crazy? Okay, we're oh, recording. Oh, and actually, sorry, but before we begin, uh, me and Jimmy did this already, but we like to uh, start up the, the recording by doing a rev, by doing mm. a signature rev. If you could do okay. your best car rev. Me and Julie did this already. Yeah, just get yourself warmed up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Oh, that was so good. Thank you so much. That was, just <laughs> that was incredible. Thank You're you welcome. so much. Okay. <laughs> we can start the podcast for real now. <laughs> okay. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, Jimmy. And good morning to you at home. Welcome back to Breakfast and Furious, episode two. Two breakfast, two furious. But what's this? Not two people, three. Who else do we have here today, Jimmy? Let me tell you, we've got uh, the man behind the theme song you just heard. Uh, you know him from Austin Powers' Power Ballads. You know him from uh, Earth's Mighty Mightiest Heroes, the musical. You know him from Bad Ghost. It's Owen Potts. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hi, Owen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, How Owen Potts. How are we doing? I, I'm actually, I'm doing not too bad. I was up till 3am watching uh, Too Fast, Too Furious and boy am I prepped to <laughs> to talk both my breakfast and this movie. And my understanding is you did that before we asked you to come on. You just messaged us this morning about this, wasn't that it? I just watched it last night, yeah. <laughs> what a good coincidence. <laughs> Funny enough, actually, I, I, when you asked me to be on the podcast, I told a friend who I know is a huge fan of the Fast of the and Furious podcast? franchise, oh, of, of, of the Fast. He, he will now listen to it. Uh, Jason, hello, I hope you're listening. Hello, Jason. Good morning. And uh, He's a fan of the Fast and Furious franchise. And I, I've only seen Fast Five in the cinema once years ago. Oh, the fifth. Okay. Uh, so this is the first kind of one I've really delved into. And I told him, oh, I'm going on and I'm going to watch Too Fast, Too Furious. I think I might get into it. And he said, this is by far the worst one of the whole <laughs> franchise. If you're going to get into it, this isn't the one. <laughs> this is, I got a straight off the bat, I'm disagreeing with Jason. Yeah. I think this was better than the first. Okay, Whoa. good. Well, first of all, Owen Potts, you've kind of explained your background with, uh, with Fast and Furious. Mm -hmm. But you're telling us you haven't seen the first one. No. So and I, okay. did you have any trouble following along this well, one? I guess my general understanding of the series was that mm. Vin Diesel, Don Toretto, was the main character of the whole like storyline. So then I was waiting the whole movie for him to to to, mm -hmm. to like 
come in and save the day and he's just not in the movie at all no. <laughs> guys i'm so glad we're addressing this right from the top um jimmy did you miss vin diesel let me tell you um i i really thought i would miss vin diesel um but tyrese who who is sort of the replacement vin diesel is here as um oh what's his name Rome. Uh, roman, roman roman pierce and now I, I can see how this script was probably supposed to be with vin diesel again and it's a sort of you know reconciliation between brian and dom after the events of the last film because uh roman and brian do have a background where roman went to jail and blames Brian for it. And they're sort of reconciling. But I got to say, I loved Roman and Brian as a pair. You know, Dom and Brian have like a sort of mentor-apprentice relationship. Whereas Brian and Roman, they're just bros. They're just best friends. And as the movie goes on, they just become friendlier and friendlier. Like there's no, I was waiting for the moment where they stop being friends for like 15 minutes before they reconcile. But no. They keep growing, getting closer and closer. And I love their history together. I love that the fact that Brian blames himself for Roman going into jail, which adds to his backstory of why he let Dom Toretto walk free at the end because mm -hmm. of that guilt. I love that this added to the overall narrative of the franchise as a whole. Mm -hmm. And I love Tyrese. I think he's really earning his paycheck. I wanna see more of Brian and Roman. Jimmy, I could not agree less with you. Roman nearly took me out of this film. I know it was called Too Fast, Too Furious, and we will come back around to ask, was this a more furious film? Roman needs to pop his on. I'm serious. That man, there was so many emotions, and I understand he's had a tough time. He needs to calm down. This film was too furious for me. He allowed his emotions to hide his vision the whole time. He was constantly popping out catchphrases here and there. He was constantly... Stealing things. I Connor Gill joined me for the that was my housemate Connor Gill, not the official sponsor of the podcast. Uh, he joined me for the last few minutes, and we couldn't get over how often Roman would say things within earshot of people that could kill them. <laughs> yes, that is so loud. He's Always so loud. Under his breath. Just, just wait a second. It, it did make me realize Vin Diesel. He is not a furious guy. He's such a calming presence. And his absence from this film was felt like it was a much more furious film. I, I have to agree on the furiosity of this film. In yeah. fact, I thought it was more furious than fast. Oh. And that's something I kind of noticed. And I feel like that that point leads into me why I never watched the Fast and Furious franchises. And I think it's more clear in this movie than ever. Which is I think <laughs> I think car scenes are the most boring action scenes. Yeah. In, in that an action movie can have. And the Fast and Furious franchise is based all around car chase oh. scenes. But, oh, uh, hang on though, sorry. What about maybe the second scene, second car scene, it's the audition car scene. Um, they are racing. They've been paid, they've been offered a job to go to an impound lot uh, to pick up a Ferrari. And they're all racing to get there. And I couldn't get, I couldn't believe that one car swerves under a massive lorry and just gets eaten. That guy the... dies so fucking hard. It's <laughs> squished. I, I, I had one beer for the entire film and I finished it by that happened because I was so tense about what I had just seen. And they felt there was no warning beforehand. I thought we were all just going to swerve around. No. 
dead. He, he kind of bounces between the wheels as if like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna swerve back and like bail out, but he just goes right <laughs> under it and it flattens him. And I'm surprised that there was no like <laughs> spurt of blood out the wheels because the car was flat. He's gone. And then where's another car immediately slams into his flattened pancake car. And I think Roman just does a quip after he sees a man turned into a pool of blood and bone. Again, too furious for these films. (laughs) This scene did have my favourite line in the whole movie, which I think explains the ethos behind behind these films, which is when they're in the impound lot and Brian sees some boats and he says to himself, stinking boats, where are the cars? (laughs) (laughs) Well, funny you say that actually, sorry, sorry, Julie. But later on, we get a a semi-boat race when we Mm. we get into Ludacris's um, motorbike, (laughs) a water, I call them water motorbike race. You call them water motorbikes? Well, uh, well I ca- I'm calling them water motorbikes now because I genuinely can't remember what they're called. <laughs> I think that's the word for them, water motorbikes. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember there being a word before then. So that's good. We, we also get a car landing on a boat, Starsky and Hutch style, at the climax of the film. Spoiler alert. I was wondering if that was a... or Which came first, the Starsky and Hutch or this? Because... In Starsky and Hutch, they go over and miss it completely. It goes yes. straight into the water. Speaking of, uh, the first thing that made me realize I was going to enjoy this movie is they go up a bridge. They ramp off a bridge, one of those yeah. bridges that goes up and down. And Brian is behind the guy in the race, but he ramps up and over. And I I, <laughs> I was watching with Maeve and I turned to Maeve and I was like, you got to admit, that's pretty cool. You got to admit, that's pretty cool. And she admitted. She admitted. She admitted. Here's something I quite like that they carried on from film one. Um, mm. They have these special magic buttons in their cars that when they press them, uh, the special magic gas goes off and the car can fly and the car can go very fast. Someone in the crew has spent the money, spent the time investing in a label maker and clearly labeling this label for the driver and for us, the audience. And I quite like that attention to detail. It's always there. There is a lot of attention to detail in this movie, unnecessarily so. No, sorry. I, I'm actually, I'm mad about this again. I know in episode one, when we talk <laughs> about details, we talk about things that are missing. The missing trick from film one was that fast car was not played. This time round, still no fast car, totally understand. This time round, we have Ludacris in the cast. And in race one, we hear Suki, my new favorite character, tell someone, move, bitch. And then we don't hear move, bitch, get out mm. the way once. So true. That's Where was fair. it? Uh, it it might have been that this was a PG-13 film. Although if Suki's saying move, bitch, why can't the soundtrack? What am it's I so talking bitch. about? I felt, I definitely, I didn't know this was PG-13. Because is one of them is 15s. Is the first one 15s? Or R-rated? Don't know. I can't remember much in the first film that would warrant a 15s, except for maybe the Christmas F word being sprouted. <laughs> because I felt 
Um, now, I always saw the Fast and Furious franchise as kind of things that, that, that for the, the three thing for the men of the early 2000s, mm-hmm. where you get, you get action, you get cars, and you get babes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I felt that usually in, in all the trailers, you see babes everywhere and babes doing this and mm-hmm. babes doing that. A lack of a lack of babes, a lack of babe montages in this movie. I think. You think? Well, I I felt like there would be more. You know, I I was watching this film and I was thinking to myself, th- these they're they're not feminist films. No, I think that's fair to say. But, but. Are you telling me the Fast and the Furious doesn't pass the Bechdel test? <laughs> <laughs> it, it fully does. It, it has a scene. The first one has a scene where. Letty, one of the only speaking women, meows at two other girls and says, I smell skanks. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't think Maybe she's just joshing with her friends. You know how the group chat gets <laughs> sometimes. However, yeah. anytime anyone in one of these movies is explicitly sexist or homophobic, they are almost immediately punished for it. In the first film, Vince almost dies because he drops the Christmas F-bomb and because he's so weird around Mia. In this film, Mm -hmm. in that first race, we get this one guy who's the worst. He's being so weird to Suki. And then uh, he loses the race hard. He's too chicken to even go over the bridge. He makes a fool of himself and he loses all his money and all his respect immediately. So I think there is... A, a bit of an effort to make these films that tiny bit less sexist. I don't know. And the fact that we have characters like Suki or Mia or Letty who, you know, are, are women, I guess. <laughs> they let chicks talk in the film. It seemed pretty <laughs> good to talk. me. <laughs> <laughs> the dame's got to say some words sometimes. <laughs> Here's something. Also, weird, weird thread from film one to film two. Mm-hmm. Neither of the uh, lead actresses in film one had driver's licenses when the film started. Suki did the exact same thing, baby. She learned how to drive mid-film. Mm. What's that about? I gotta be in one of these films if I want to learn to drive. It seems. <laughs> I think that's how you'll you'll get your license. To be I honestly. think this is like when uh, Kumail Nanjiani used that Marvel movie to get buff. You just use a Fast and Furious movie to learn how to drive. If they're going to pay for the lessons and possibly mm. the insurance, I don't see the downside. Here, here is something though: if you star in these movies, yeah. you're going to be a bad character. Because I think every character in this person, to their core, they're bad people. I think oh, the okay, okay. The um... I- the idea of first of all, just street racing in general, uh, illegally, is terribly dangerous. You will kill anyone walking on the street. I like to go on a walk at night sometimes. And if I'm going on a walk, listen to music, I will not hear Paul Walker say, get out the way, as he creams me into the sidewalk. Owen, you've, you've opened a whole Pandora's box of questions. First off, when did you become a narc? Secondly, where are you walking at nighttime? Because they clearly, we saw at the beginning of the film, they illegally close the roads so that they can drag and race and laugh and live and love. But the paths aren't closed. I didn't see anybody on them. 
That's because you were going too fast and you <laughs> slammed someone into a fire post. <laughs> oh, well, well, let me ask. You can drive, yes? Mm-hmm. Um, how long did it take you to pass your test? How many tests? Uh, I did a one and done, <gasps> Julie. A one wow. and done. Wow. wow, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's and impressive. Owen, you're telling me with your sub... Say you're superhuman <laughs> driving skills, Mr. One and Done. You don't want to go so fast that you drive over a bridge and press a magic button. Well, come on. Uh, well, <laughs> the thing about the bridge okay. is that I don't know if they fully closed all the roads. They put up this bridge and they put no red light up. Like anyone who was on a late night drive could have just <laughs> slowly driven over to their deaths on that bridge. That's be- because Ludacris wanted a cool ending. <laughs> also, one of the guys in the race at 100 miles an hour, because it shows it on his dashboard, slams into a, a billboard <laughs> labeled Pepsi. But don't worry, there was a couple of bushes in the way of the wall, so he, he was able to cushion his blow. <laughs> and he just he, he crashes to a halt and then just smacks his driving wheel as if he didn't just <laughs> fly stream and meet his maker. Hey, speaking of Pepsi, we've talked yeah. so much about this movie. We haven't said a word about breakfast, which is important important half of the podcast it's half the podcast we agreed we would spend a even 50 50 split talking about mm. these movies and talking about what we had for breakfast how was your breakfast this morning guys i had a delicious breakfast actually um what i'd call my eggy surprise um i oh. believe okay <laughs> Hold on, Julie's. Choose you. You've assumed something, and I don't know what you've assumed here. But do you want to tell me what you just assumed? I've just felt a shiver down my spine at that <laughs> phrasing. To be honest, there was no cognition, just pure emotion and fear. <laughs> I the term uh, eggy surprise. <laughs> an eggy surprise gets me full and ready for the day. I okay. <laughs> Could you? Do you want to give us an idea? Hey, you know what? Owen has actually been gracious enough to send me um, the recording of him cooking his eggy surprise this morning. I say we go straight to that. Let the listeners hear exactly what he means. Well, here you go. A looky, a look into my eggy surprise. Hello, everyone. Jimmy, Julie, and the population of this podcast. Today, I'm going to be making my famous breakfast, Eggy Surprise. Some ingredients that I'll be using today, eggs, toast, and a couple surprises along the way. Okay, so let's begin. Now, as a lot of you may not know, Eggy Surprise is actually quite a quick process. So, as I like to pop my toast on three, what we're going to do is pop our toast on three, and it should be ready for the eggies to finish. Next, what we're going to do is we're going to get our, a part of our surprise and finally chop our surprise. Ooh, look at this. Nice and finely chopped. Oop, choppy. Sometimes I like to get some long streaks of surprise in there. But I'm sure you can do whatever you like along the way. 
Now let's get our pot nice and hot and we want to dump perhaps a little teaspoon of surprise in there just to get everything lubricated and twist it around so that nothing sticks to the bottom of the pot. And with the surprise once it's fully melted, we're going to stick our surprise into the pot to get a bit caramelized. Mmm. Delicious. Oh, this is still recording. Okay, well, uh, now we got a bit, a bit of a. You take one surprise and chop it into kind of these thin circular slices, just a few so the dish doesn't get too surprisey. Perfect. And why not dump them in there too to get a bit of flavour in? Now, some people ask, hey, Owen, where'd you get this part of the surprise? Well, I actually. Secret, I get them jarred. This is a jarred surprise that I'm going to stick in there. Yeah. I get a bit of flavor going in my surprise pots. Perfect. There's the toast ready. Fuck. I missed on the toast. Look, what did I say? There's always going to be a surprise in the surprise eggies. And that surprise is just the toast coming too early. Now, we get to the main ingredient. The eggies. What I'm gonna do is just crack them straight into the pot. I like so. I'm gonna, I'm gonna crack this on the mic. This isn't an eggy surprise, it's an eggies surprise, so. And then what we're going to do is stir our eggies non-stop. Perhaps sometimes taking them off the heat so it doesn't burn. Now, before we stop here, what we're going to do is take a couple slices of surprise, rip them up, dazzle them around the eggy surprise mixture. And there we go. Back onto the heat and we're going to stir until this eggies and this surprise turn into one big eggy surprise mix. Oh, and looks like the toast is done. And just in time, because my eggy surprise is nice and cooked. Okay, so we've cooked our eggy surprise and we've toasted our toast. Now what we need to do is put a little bit of surprise on our toast before we can put on our eggy surprise. We then take a form into two scoops of eggy surprise and we put one scoop on one slice of toast and another scoop on one slice of toast. And if you followed all the steps I've given directly, you will have a delicious, similar to mine, eggy surprise. Back to you, Jimmy and Julie. What is he, sandwich crazy? But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Sorry. So are these scrambled eggs? <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute.
are these scrambled eggs made in a pan or are they made in a microwave? They're made in a pot. Oh, in pots, I get it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're only allowed we're only allowed pots in this house. <laughs> I I used to have two brothers because one of them brought a pan in and I have a brother and a sister now. <laughs> what if you came home with your fiance and it was Felicity Pan? Would that be a great union of the, the rival pots and pans family, or would that just would she be out on her ear? Honestly, it, it sounds like a, a kind of Romeo and Juliet style. Mm style story i don't think i could bring her to my father <laughs> mr pot the inventor of pot yeah yeah uh surprise guys we've been back this whole time <laughs> <laughs> julie what what about what did you have for breakfast i went with i think the breakfast champions it is the best cereal made in recent years it's weedabix minis with little chocolate mm. chips involved absolutely oh. love it one hundred p and Do Jimmy? I let it sog up? Yes. Yeah. Do you microwave it? You know, this is not a microwavable cereal for me, but I think microwaving cereal is entirely respected. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a, it's a time-honored fashion. And when you do it, I'm seeing a shaking head over here. When I do it in front of my house, I get booed audibly. <laughs> i got to say, my, uh, my girlfriend, Jess, hello, Felicity Jess. Pan. Um, <laughs> Felicity Pan. Uh, used to have uh, no taste, so texture was everything. And hey, no wonder she's dating you. Oh, oh God. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, oh, I'm going to go tell my dad. And she would, to my horror, if she was having cornflakes, and probably still does to this oh, day, yeah. microwave it into a mush. Oh, yeah. It Ooh. looks like baby food. Mm. Does she put a little uh, granulated uh, sugar on top of these flakes? No. Well, maybe. Ooh. I don't think it matters if you're eating <laughs> mush. <laughs> if you're eating mushy peas for breakfast. Because if, if you have no taste and you microwave yeah. <laughs> cornflakes to mush, <laughs> you might as well be eating mushy peas. Oh, and I feel like this is something you've said before. And I feel like I can see a tired resentment in your eyes. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't think I ever have. So this will be a shock if she hears this. At Felicity Pan. Sorry. I gotta say, I'm very, uh, probably my biggest shame is how much I love milk. Um, oh, and I'm quite particular about it. I, oh, I, I, I am ashamed. I think vegans are the best of us and I wish I was one. But oh. I I and I think if you're a vegan, you should not be ashamed. Don't listen to the haters. You're doing the world a favor. But I cannot get over my love of milk. I've tried every plant-based milk. I haven't liked one. And I've tried warm milk in my cereal, and it's a big no-no for me. I think the only acceptable use of warm milk is in a hot chocolate. For me personally. Everyone else out there, live your truth. Jimmy, can I ask, sorry, could you just rank your favorite alternative milks? Oh, okay. This is this is a best of the worst list, I guess, because I, I'm not a fan. Um, I will say Maeve's been putting oat milk in our coffees lately, mm. and I can just about handle it. It's not too bad. The reason I don't like it on its own or like, it, like if it's a whole latte made of oat milk, it just tastes like porridge to me. And I love porridge, but you know, not in my coffee. Next will probably be hazelnut milk because it's kind of... <laughs> 
if you put that in a hot chocolate, it's got a, you know, kind of Nutella thing going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just the texture isn't quite there. Um, next, I'm going to say coconut milk. Again, you can get a sort of like bounty flavor hot chocolate mocha thing with that. But again, it, from working as a barista, uh, coconut milk can be very difficult to froth. A lot of bubbles on top that pop immediately, not even foam, just bubbles, you know. Okay. Every other milk, almond milk, don't like almonds. So that's low. That's low down. Uh, soy milk, absolutely not. What do you uh, a soy? Come on. That's the number one milk. That's a number one milk? That's a number one. That was like the first of the new milks. Oh, oh sorry. I think you meant number one in like top of the pops. Oh, it's top of my pops. I love those. I love that. It, it's love top of your soy. cocoa pops. <laughs> well, soy milk right in. Ding, 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 ding. I love. Hey, and Julie, you you love what you love, you know? I'm not going to I'm not gonna oh, tell no. you any different. This is the segue. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would love to talk about the villain in this film. Mm-hmm. This guy, I don't remember his name because I started calling him by a nickname halfway through the film because he is full on Bond villain mode. Yeah. Um, he And he uses this incredible torture device of a rat in a bucket. This was the best part of the movie for me. Mm. Whoa. I, so for the rest of the film, I was calling him Rat Bucket as a sort of <laughs> Goldfinger style um, <laughs> Bond villain name. But he has everything. He's he's so quiet and he's so menacing. Mm-hmm. He's got a catchphrase, which is not a great catchphrase, but I don't know if you noticed. He keeps saying, I'll see you in a bit. And that's his last line in the film as well. When he's going to jail, he looks oh. at Roman. He's like, I'll see you in a bit. And it's this not is a after... good catchphrase, but it is a catchphrase. <laughs> this is after Roman looks him in the eye and says, don't drop the soap. Oh, I didn't like that at all. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> so when will Roman be punished, Ginny, as per the laws of the Fast and Furious universe? <laughs> when will be my time? I, I feel like prediction for the films going forward. I think yeah. Roman's going to be punished because I think Brian and Dom are going to become best friends and Roman's going to be put on the sidelines. And I think that's his punishment. Oh, that he loses his friend? He loses his best friend to Vin Diesel. Can you imagine? Mm. Well, can I actually ask you guys a question that this came to me in the middle of the film? Um, I think an amazing reboot for three men and a baby would be Vin Diesel, The Rock and Terry Crews. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Big muscle man, tiny baby. Mm. What more could you want? But then I said this to someone and they immediately shot back with a better reboot would be Robert De Niro, Danny DeVito and Joe Pesci with a baby. Are they de-aged? See, because for me, that's just a granddaddy film. That's a whole different market. Here's a reboot. Three babies and a man. Oh. (laughs) Oh. Are they three boss babies or normal babies? Three boss babies and um, the guy from the first episode of Broad City who pretends to be a baby. Terrifying. No, I no. think you're, you're thinking of Mr. Mom, <laughs> the movie with Michael oh, Keaton. I, no, you know what? I'm thinking of The Pacifier. With oh, Diesel. yeah? Oh! That's three, oh, three, three babies, babies and, and a man. man. Again, Vin Diesel. <laughs> Which, who, by the way, I, I know we've been through this, that he wasn't there and we were sad about it. Mm-hmm. He turned down $25 million to be in this film. That's crazy. Why did he turn it down? What, what was he doing? He turned it down so that he could be... <laughs> he, 
he oh yeah so essentially they wrote two scripts and they commissioned two scripts for this film one with Vin Diesel one without it kind of seemed like they were just hoping he'd turn up on the first day like they didn't really know Um, but he refused to be in it after he read the first screenplay uh, and he felt that he didn't have the potential of the first film um, and therefore he chose to appear in the Chronicles of Riddick which I don't know what that is that was a there's a few movies of those I think so that Riddick's I think Riddick is is he's either a blind guy or he's a guy who can only see in the dark (laughs) Um, I think that's Can't his see or he can only see. <laughs> that's, I, I think that's complete opposites. <laughs> <laughs> but I do believe the Riddick films are a a uh, a big passion of Vin Diesel, much as the Fast and the Furious films have become. But I think Vin Diesel is he believes in what he does mm. and he takes his his uh, his movie seriously. And he takes his hobbies seriously. I know another big passion project of his was the last witch, the last witch hunter. I think it was called. Yes. Which is a film that he made based on his Dungeons and Dragons character that he's been playing as for years, and so he crafted a whole movie around it, which is so cool. I think. God, I'd love to play Dungeons and Dragons with uh, Vin Diesel. Well, but the invitation be- is open. It, you can say that here now, Owen. What have you wanted? Because you, you've been talking to Vin Diesel, haven't you, Julie? Yes. <laughs> Tell us about that, Julie. I actually, <laughs> you know what? I need to come clean here on episode two. <gasps> episode two, breakfast, two furiouses. I received this message via my friend Sarah, who truly received the message. She she liked our post on Facebook or on Mm -hmm. Instagram and then immediately received a message from Vin Diesel himself uh, speaking again from his personal account because as he said um, Sarah reminded him of a friend he used to have and he wanted to chat to her Uh, she screenshotted this sent it to me said this is your fault I believe and I immediately stole from her (laughs) (laughs) will I be punished I don't know (laughs) I can only hope not this is Vin Diesel underscore one two six four or something like that. This this isn't his his blue ticked account. Uh, no, I believe he uses that for promos and passions, and mm. this one he he just uses to communicate on a personal level. The blue tick I think intimidates women, so he just tries to go for a more average Joe vibe. That's that's what I believe. That's a terrible theory. <laughs> <laughs> You know, are you saying you would use your blue tick to impress women? <laughs> well, I, I I don't think I would, but blue mm. ticks I think were, are there to impress more than to intimidate. Do you get intimidated by a blue tick? Oh, I mean, as I, a woman, I, I judge them harder. As a woman, speaking as a woman, I do. Mm. Sorry. Also, we need to mention this when when Eva Mendes is having lunch with the boys, just on the note of women in this film. Mm-hmm. As we know, they're not the best to the babes. There's a lot of commentary towards the babes. But they do wait for Eva Mendes to sit down before they sit down to have lunch. What is this balance they've decided on? Well, no, I, no, I think that that's more a politeness thing because <laughs> after that, Paul Walker goes to stand up for the evil villain and the evil villain says, no, no, it's okay. 
they're really like subtly just kind people to each other. This scene then leads into a weird subplot of uh, Roman or Therese stealing uh, cigar cutters to write the movie. Roman really wants a cigar cutter and he keeps trying to steal it. <laughs> Again, also, in the first time it was sneaky, the next time it's just in plain sight of the bodyguards. <laughs> Why? There, there are, speaking of uh, moments of, you know, subtle kindness, there are a few of those throughout this film that really surprised me. Um, there's a lot of moments of just nice little friendship bromance, if you will, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and I will, between um, Tyrese and Paul Walker, of course. But there's also a lovely scene where Roman and Brian have to drive around the bad guy's bodyguards. They're there to make sure they don't run off with the money. Mm-hmm. And uh, the bodyguards, even though they've hated them, they've been so antagonistic towards them throughout the whole film. Roman sets their car on fire at one point. They keep uh, they keep giving them nice little compliments on how good they are at driving. I thought that was very sweet. And then Roman ejects a man from a seat so his face slides across the pavement at 100 miles an hour. I have to say, I was... <laughs> A bit disappointed when they hinted they were going to put ejector seats in the car. I was waiting for someone yeah. to go through the roof, but they eject them out the side. It just uh, it wasn't quite the same. <laughs> but he first has to take the guy's seatbelt off before <laughs> he can eject him. But then there's some nice seatbelt awareness in the show, in the movie even shows us they're cool. Yeah, they wear seatbelts. With those regulations, this is why. I don't understand the street racing community mm-hmm. because at the start they have three and they need a fourth and they get Paul Walker in Brian O'Connor yeah. uh, and he's like 35 large now being from not America I assume that meant $35,000 but it means 3500 that's how they use their money so they all put 3500 mm-hmm. into the pot mm-hmm. and he just drives up but why would you bet so much money on such an unregulated sport? <laughs> he could drive up in a rocket car that looks like a regular car, but it'll open up with a big jet, and he can he can fly off into space and come back and win the race. <laughs> like they have no idea how good his car is. They're just saying, "Yeah, I can build the best car," but this guy has. Like data analysis concurrently running in his car, tell him when the best moment to turn or to NOS to NO2. I, I don't understand it. I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> Not to forget that also the terrain a la the bridge just lifts, just lifts, and you got to fly now. It, it really is like a real life Mario Kart. Very much so. Well, now I have a question. As you say, with the unregulation and the cars. We do see that some people have very cool setups. They got cool, like, uh, boom boxes, if you will, mm-hmm. in the back of the car. I feel at one point someone had a fish tank, or I imagined it. But if you could have anything in the boot of your car, quite like Pip My Ride, what would your extra car situation, like, what's, what's your vibe? What's your theme? That's a great question. What's in the boot? My immediate thing to go is mm-hmm. uh, in the boot of the car to have, when you open it up, a barbecue starts. Yeah. So then you can take it out on if you're going camping or something, and you, you open the boot up, and a barbecue opens up, and you roast some sausages or an eggy surprise on there. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you'd like. <laughs> that's my that's my boot my boot package. 
my favorite um this isn't a uh, boot mode but my favorite thing they ever did on pit my ride which i i think is so funny and again um very dangerous is you could uh, sit in the driver's seat and pop the hood so the hood is like up parallel with you and you've got a projector in your car so you can project a movie onto the hood um <laughs> Yeah. So I love the idea of sitting in the driver's seat, driving around town and watching a movie on the hood of your car <laughs> right in front of you. <laughs> I am thinking, though, why don't they um, like they want to go fast, like strip out all the boom boxes out of your car, like make it lighter, make it speedier. Or is weight a good thing? I don't know. Again, I guess we, we don't know. Regulation, we can never know. What's with this, these new ejector seats that we've just seen? <laughs> What about those those missiles that attach the cars and kill them from the inside from the police helicopters? Yeah, what are these electric grappling hooks? <laughs> Who gave the police those? That was insane when I first saw that. And there's a there's an arc with Brian and this electric gun because he first loses <laughs> to this electric gun in the first act. And then in the final act, the helicopter gets his car and doesn't fully go in. <laughs> So to get this highly uh, electric powered, like huge voltage mm -hmm. uh, claw to get it out of the car, when he goes, he gets a, a tissue paper and he grabs <laughs> it with his hand and pulls it out. And then without a gun, throws the, <laughs> the claw into a police car, which it then fully attaches to and kills that police car. We're coming up to two thirds of the way through the episode, if you can believe it. And we haven't really explained the plot of the film, but honestly, I don't think we have to. There's not really um, a plot. It's basically, Julie, you were exactly right in your predictions last week. Brian has given up being a cop and he's embraced the life of a drag racer. And basically the cops are reeling him back in for one last job. And he's bringing his friend Roman along for the ride. Yeah. There's a villain. Mm -hmm. who as i said i love and in fact uh we're, we're gonna take a little break now but before we do I, I got a little surprise for you um i was so inspired by how bondian this villain was that i i, I thought what better way to celebrate it than to than to write a little bond song about dubbed rat bucket <laughs> that you like that rat bucket really defines them now can i just say not that i'm on Side with Rat Bucket, obviously a terrible thing to do. That was not nice. But right. if someone pretended, just to break it down, if someone pretended to be in a relationship with me for 11 and a half months, as Eva Mendes did to this man, I too would be pretty bad about it. Mm -hmm. It's not right to feed people to rats, of course. But I would be pretty sad about it, if I'm honest. You say feed there. I think he do, I don't think he the rat eats any of the human flesh. Well, I thought the you idea think he's just was that scratching it. I think he's just gnawing. He he's like gnawing into it and scurrying out the other end. My understanding of Rat Bucket was that <coughs> he was to put he puts the rat on the man, puts the bucket on the rat, puts the fire on the bucket. The rat <laughs> needs to find its way out and thus burrows through this entire man. Uh, yeah, no, correct. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he's digesting any human flesh. You think he's spitting it out like when Cookie Monster um, mm. throws the cookies all over the place because he doesn't have a throat? Uh, uh, he, he compares this rat burying through his body to a pipe, a rat eating through a pipe. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a rat would eat a pipe. 
Now, it, it's to the tune of one of my favorite Bond songs and one that I think is quite underrated. I didn't spend that long working on this. <laughs> so don't get too excited. It's too late. <laughs> I'm buzzed. Okay, so this is If This Were a Bond Film with Rat Bucket as the villain. I think the theme might go a little something like this. Meeting you in a club with a blonde. You're a cop, I'm a crook, but we correspond. I am paying you. You know all the crimes I'm doing. I need a favor or two to help me with my latest crime. Even though you owe, you keep telling me no. But you don't know, I've got a rat, rat in a bucket. And I place it on your belly. Rat, rat in a bucket. I heat it up, he gets hungry. Hot rat in a bucket. What is this, the fast and furry? Furry rat in a bucket. That's my Bond song. <laughs> Wow. Jimmy! Thank you so much. That was amazing. A rat bucket. A true oh. inspiration. Uh, I think I, now we should we should take a little break. I'm gonna tell you how I made my coffee this morning. We'll be right back. Yeah, please. This is Jimmy Kafner. You're listening to the Breakfast Furious Breakfast Break. And today uh, I'm going to tell you how I made my, my coffee this morning. Um, I'm here at a petrol station. I'm going to give you my tips for the petrol best petrol station coffee. First thing you want to do, get one of those little sachets of hot chocolate that they got. And just pour that right in before you put the coffee in. You've just upgraded yourself to a mocha for free. Uh, so now put that under the thing. Oh, here's the other part. If you want a large coffee, take the medium cup. If you want a medium coffee, take the small cup. Because the thing is, the large coffee always fits in the medium cup. And the medium coffee always fits in the small cup. It's crazy. They don't want you to know this. So you're getting your large or medium, but you're paying for a small. It's crazy. Um, I wouldn't always recommend getting your coffee at a uh, at a petrol station if you can avoid it do but you know sometimes you you want to get out of about in the morning uh you don't want to face look at a person in the face you just want to press some buttons on a machine and your feelings are valid and you're entitled to do that 
Um, don't forget to stir it as the coffee's pouring out. Get that hot chocolate nice and mixed in with the uh, uh, coffee. And you've got a delicious, um, uh, slightly cheaper mocha from a petrol station. You're welcome. Now back to the pod. What is he, sandwich crazy? I don't know if anyone here saw Ratatouille, the musical, the TikTok musical. No. Um, I, I there were, there were TikTok musicals. You didn't get involved? I'm not on TikTok. Okay. Well, first off, I'm That's, sorry. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Secondly, so that, that musical contained possibly four songs about being a rat and only like two songs about food. And uh, from what I learned from that musical, rats will really eat anything. Adam Lambert told me. Oh, um, come in. Hello. Hello. Do you want to say hello? Adam Lambert? <laughs> it's Adam Lambert. Hello. Oh, Adam Lambert. Hey, no, this is Maeve. Um, <laughs> um, Maeve, could you tell us how many stars you gave the film and why? Yeah. Uh, four and a half out of five. That's, oh, that's five. fucking shocking. <laughs> Whoa! It was perfect to me. I don't, know, I don't know really what to say. It depends what you're rating it on. But out of enjoyment, I gave it a four and a half out of five. What was your theory about um, how they wrote it? So they were all writing it and they were just like, Ah, well, we put it in. They were just like, "Yeah, do it." Like, literally everything that happened was just kind of like a. They were just like, "Ah, we'll just put it all in." Anyway. Um, Noivus. Oh no. <laughs> Bye. Bye. See ya. As this is a fifty-fifty podcast, just to let you know, as we know, the Breakfast Club, the improv musical of our dreams. This film, apparently, a lot of it's improv because they wanted to keep it authentic to the streets and i feel that's why we get paul walker's new catchphrase how do you like them apples he says it a lot <laughs> i don't think anyone wrote that i love that i love knowing that makes a lot of sense knowing that roman uh was improvising all those lines is mm-hmm. a lot of fun to me and it makes sense i like i can't think of anyone who could have written those lines on paper but and in the spot amazing i'd, I'd like to compare that to the fight scenes the actual like man on man fight scenes in this movie because they're so realistic I think they might just be trying to beat the shit out of each other like the, f- the first time they meet hmm. they just wrestle on the ground and the old man walk off like ah these kids <laughs> oh yeah but, the chief the chief the is chief. back from film one and he's really chilled out he's a way nicer guy this round this time around (laughs) there's one point where he has a hawaiian shirt on and (laughs) paul walker just says hey nice shirt chief and they never talk about it again which brings us on to our next segment the fashion of the furious um i want to stay say my standout fashion icon from this film is suki Mm -hmm. okay just a lot of hot pink in the cars and the shoes I also loved what Ludacris was doing. Julie, I know you text me about his uh, his jumpsuit. Boiler suits. No one looks bad in a boiler suit. So Especially with a, an embroidered name tag on the side. I think everyone should treat themselves to have one. I do. I gotta get one. Maybe. Do I think it should be the merch for this pod? Yes. yes. Boiler suits. Yes. That's actually not that's a great <laughs> idea. That's what I think it should be. What I hated the most was Brian O'Connor, Paul Walker's mm-hmm. outfits throughout the movie. He you was wearing... <laughs> 
one one shot actually took me out of the movie. He was wearing what? like these basketball shorts and a t-shirt, like go about to go on a big race. And I, I was like, "What? What are you? What are you doing wearing that basketball short and a t-shirt? You crazy man! Play some basketball. You play some basketball." Oh, I nearly jumped in and slapped him. <laughs> and then there's there's a great scene where um, uh, Roman is going to is approaching the Ferrari, mm. and out of nowhere, rips off his his t-shirt. So jacked in, in pure strength, jacked to hell. Jack. That may just, have been another improvised moment. And then punches the window, jacked to hell, despite being having a plot of loving to eat food throughout the whole movie. <laughs> Which is explained because he didn't get that much to eat in prison. Yeah. So now he eats all the time. Yeah, and he's still ripped to show for it. Mm-hmm. Well, Owen, now I feel like you're going to not be pleased because I was going to propose that this segment be changed to how hot is Paul Walker? Guys, he looks amazing. And I think, I- I'm not sure if this is with the basketball shorts and the t-shirt mm-hmm. situation, but he wears a crisp white t-shirt he looks amazing and i think it's very hard to find a good t-shirt of that quality these days in the 2000s they were rife and he looks um, clean did comment like how is he pulling off a plain white tee Mm -hmm. like he's he does it so well and another one of our predictions actually didn't come true we thought he would be uh have a tighter haircut this time to try and make him look cool but no it's it's very nice and shaggy once again I don't think it's quite as golden as it was last time, or maybe it's just it's it's overexposure. It's lost its magic a bit. But mm-hmm. his hair, it's 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 the best hair in the movie. Uh, actually, oh, I do like Ludacris's hair in this film too. I love Ludacris's hair in this movie. I will also say, just on the note of the the women's fashion, um, I know the last time I was very, uh, I voiced how annoyed I was, or not annoyed, uh, more fearful of low rise jeans. Um, this time around, I felt that the shorts are shorter and the crop tops are also shorter, making this a midriff film. And thus, uh, my fears have, have grown legs, if you will. They, they are in Miami. I believe they Miami. were in Southern Florida. That's Miami. Damn it, I talked to my kids before the podcast. <laughs> be ready. Here's why it was confusing. Where were mm. any old people in this Florida-based film? I think they've all been killed by the street races. <laughs> mowed down on their nighttime walk. I think, I think there was a big walk uh, going on at the moment where they <laughs> arrived and Paul Walker, when he was doing the stare into Eva Mendes' eyes and not looking at the road That was hot. <laughs> There's a scene where Paul Walker is driving and just to be cool, he doesn't look at the road he looks right in Eva Mendes' eyes for so long and it's whew. You thought it, did you think it was hot to me? I was worried. I was like, this is dangerous. But like, if Paul Walker did this to me, uh, I wouldn't be thinking about, oh, I'd be like, to die by your side, such a heavenly way to die. I'd be thinking of the skulls that are in my rear exhaust now because of the people's <laughs> crushed. <laughs> oh, well, speaking actually of killings, I think it's time for a game. Yes. Oh. It's uh, back to our regular segment, The Fucked, The Married, and The Killed. Oh, I'm excited. Because I do have a, a, a trio I think would be good for this. Let's hear it. You go first, Own Pots. And when I say trio, I mean a six-o. So all these fuck, married, kills are going to be in threesomes. 
Whoa. This movie, whoa. I think above all all else, is about friendship. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. And I think there are three friendships going on in this movie. You got Brian O'Connor and Roman. You got the two goons of the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And you've got the, the two lead custom police officers. Uh, the ones in the helicopter together? No. Oh, no, the angry guy. Two, the, the angry guy and the dumb guy. And the dumb guy. So that's my lunch guy. You, yeah. The, the, yeah. <laughs> so you got to fuck, marry, kill those three duos. Now, I will say, I, I'll give you my one first. Oh, tell us. I'm going to fuck Paul Walker and Roman. I'm going to marry the goons. And I'm going to kill those cops. Why are you marrying the goons? They have a hard exterior. But as we see throughout the car chase, we see that they get to know each other. And they're, they're really nice to these guys. And there's right a moment... they take their guns out and say, I like you, but I got to kill you. <laughs> they, they have a job and they got to do it. And there's a moment right before they're going to get this cash from the from the wall it's inside a wall and they're about to they have sledgehammers they need to take cash out of a wall and they're about to smash it in and there's a painting on the wall and one guy goes to smash it in and the, the other goon stops him says no no and takes the art down from the wall daintily and then smashes through the wall to get the money they appreciate art at least one of them does that is i'm marrying these goons. i gotta marry these goons now, but what about their irregular schedule? Well, it seems pretty regular. They're constantly together. <laughs> I mean, they could be out doing a morning job. They could be out doing a nighttime murder. They could be, you don't know when's dinner going to happen. When are we going to watch the TV? You've all sat down. You're married. You've all sat down and you want to watch a TV show weekly. You can't see it at the same time because they're never home at the time you agreed. I think I, I would marry these goons under the condition that they become like the the stay-at-home husbands, and they do all the, like... That's a lot of pressure to put on two people. It is. No, it is, in fairness. But they don't have a boss anymore. Okay, okay. That's true, yeah. Their boss is in jail. They're looking for work. So they'd stay at home and you'd become the goon? I could become their new boss, which isn't a healthy relationship, but... No. But... (laughs) (laughs) Boss of the household, I guess. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna... I don't want to do this i know that i'm gonna marry the policeman julie because no uh, jimmy hear me out i sleep in a separate room they're making the dinner like i feel like they it's a marriage of convenience yeah because when you look at them honestly they're they're broken men i feel like mm. they weren't very happy people but they are doing a nine to five um they've got very stable income that i will reap the benefits of and i feel like i could get them to just do my own bidding i feel like they could be my goons Oh, regular schedule. Yeah, Julie, this is like you know when when (laughs) I might beep his name out, but like any time when we were in college and a girl would get with, and they were like, "I'm the one who can fix him." (laughs) (laughs) I think you gotta beep that name out. I can see very much where you're coming from, but I think in that situation, that was girl versus wild horse. So Whereas true. in this situation, it is girl versus broken. I'm not even going to say stallions. This is broken Shetland ponies. Hey, that's fair. I'm going to kill the cops. Sorry. Okay, well. 
but I don't want to marry the goons no. or fuck the goons. And I think a marriage to to Paul and or to Brian and Roman is, is it's too furious when you get the two of them together. Chaos. Although by the end of the film, they've mellowed out a bit. They decide they're going to open a garage together. I think I could get in on that. I think I could be like their Mia serving the sandwiches at the counter. Mm-hmm. But if you were just if you were just sexual partners, you could just stop by for a quick little kiss at the garage and be on your way. But then I'm married to the goons. Uh, you know what? I like this. We've all picked three different options. Yeah. I'm marrying. Yeah. I'm marrying the the bros. I guess I'm fucking the goons and I'm I'm killing the cops. All I think all fair choices except for Julie's. I, I'm still <laughs> shocked that you want to marry those cops. I'm gonna I'm gonna marry the cops. I'm gonna kill the goons. I'm gonna fuck the hot young dudes. I have got to fuck marry kill. Yes. Uh, so I've talked so much. We've talked so much about the rat bucket torture scene <laughs> um so and i think it is up there with the best torture scenes in in bond history so i've got mm-hmm. three torture methods here for you to fuck marry kill oh, geez, so okay. one is a person placing a rat in a hot metal bucket on your <laughs> belly and heating up the bucket so that the rat burrows through your belly mm-hmm. number you two no, that that's in Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh, There's right. a whole song about it, Julie. Oh, oh God. Sorry. I've been on my phone this whole time. <laughs> yeah. The next one is uh, being tied to a table, spread eagle, as a laser uh, yeah. slowly creeps its way up towards your groin. Yeah. And the next one is being tied to a chair as Javier Bardem uh, slowly walks through towards you and gets a bit flirty with you. Oh no! What is that? What is that tournament that's, from? That's uh, Skyfall. Oh yeah. Is he holding any weapons, or is, is his charm his weapon? His charm is his weapon. He he's gonna tell you a story about two mice in a in a pail of milk, or am I getting that confused with something else? <laughs> that's got your you can. Chris Walken, two mice <laughs> fall in a bucket of cream. It's churning butter. <laughs> he's gonna oh tell you some sort of story about a mouse or a rat or something a mouse? and then when he gets close enough to you he'll sit down beside you and he'll kind of slap your thighs and rub them like that kill. oh i remember oh, kill no uh, no from the get-go slow walking no kill, kill. so you, you're left with laser and rat bucket now the thing about the laser never quite gets to you do you know what the laser feels like because it's never quite getting to me, it kind of feels like you know when someone's threatening to tickle you and you get so nervous mm. that you can't stop laughing and then you you just, you can't be settled. So I'm going to fuck that. I can do that the one time. And it's you, funny one time. And you're going to marry Rat Bucket? Yeah, I'm going to marry Rat Bucket because I get a pet and a bucket out of this deal. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, well, I, thoughts? I, 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 I think I got to disagree here. Um, I think the the laser going going through your your splitting your whole body in half mm-hmm. is kind of the Stepford wife of torture methods. It's a very sixties like standard torture device, Bond movies, and it's parried everywhere. Huh. I gotta say I'm gonna kill that torture device. Get it out of here. Nice. Too conventional for my liking. Mm-hmm. S- slash it in half with another laser. Slash that torture method in half with a good laser. Okay. I'm gonna fuck Javier Bardem. That's fair. I can't argue I'm gonna with fuck you on that. Yeah. 
Um, I know he has a really weird jaw in that, but all the better to suck me with. Oh my god! <laughs> god, I wish I didn't say that. No, uh, leave that in. Leave that <laughs> in. That's gold. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm gonna marry. I'm gonna marry Rat Bucket. Rat Bucket is a great marriage. I think we're all marrying Rat Bucket at the end of the day. Yeah. I'm just gonna say this, Owen Potts. The next time I see you in person, I'm gonna walk towards you so slowly. And, I, and then I'm going to ask you about it afterwards, about how oh, you God. felt at the time. I'm going to call your police husbands on you, <laughs> you fucking narc. There is nothing worse than that slow walk. I can't <laughs> wait for you to feel it. Jimmy, did you marry the rat? I think if we're all marrying the rat bucket, I'll marry the rat bucket. Three people in a rat bucket situation. Oh, three babies in a rat bucket. Hmm. Do you have a fucked, married, killed? So as we know, this movie was a sequel. Some sequels are good, some sequels are bad. People are very divided about them. So I'm going to ask you three people from three sequels. And it's it's a simple, straightforward, it's a fuck, marry, kill. Number one, coming in hot, it is Kovu from The Lion King 2. He's like the, the young, sexy Scar, right? Yeah. Sort of? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Cool. From, okay. the, from the Badlands, or whatever mm-hmm. that we call it. Number two, we have the fairy godmother from Shrek 2. Very mm. good. Mm-hmm. And then number three, we have Knuckles McGee from the prison in Paddington 2. That's uh, Brendan Gleeson's character, right? It is. It is. I am, Why are my sandwiches? I'm, I'm, mar- I'm marrying him. I'm oh, marrying him. No hesitation. <laughs> Ready to go. Now, we never find out what crime he's in prison for. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the film, a newspaper comes up and says that he's been released from prison because he's learned the error of his ways and he's a reformed man. Um, so I trust him. He's learned how to make great marmalade sandwiches. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's, he looks like a big, cuddly man. So no problems marrying that. Good. I guess, I mean, the fairy godmother is fully a villain. So I'll <laughs> kill her? Okay. Uh, which w- leaves the the lion. I haven't seen Lion King two, but I know. You want to fuck a lion? No, 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 no. <laughs> Jimmy wants to fuck a lion. No, 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 no. Um, I just know there's so many memes about how hot that lion is. Oh, I don't okay. want to influence. I'm, I'll kill. I'll I'll kill the lion. I'll no, it's lion. too late now. I'll you kill already killed. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, these decisions are binding. I'm stuck with with my lot. <laughs> what about you? You gotta go with it. Now, I've never seen Paddington One or Two. Yeah, no, I just what? haven't watched it yet. Don't look at me like that. Okay, Javier Bardem. <laughs> <laughs> but I gotta say, yeah. Knuckles Magoo. Knuckles and- McGee. <laughs> Knuckles McGee. Oh, sorry. Knuckles McGee <laughs> is a sentence in itself. I-, I feel like if that's his name. I know why he's in there. <laughs> so I'm going to fuck him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Um, I'm going to kill a lion because unlike Jimmy, I'm not attracted to <laughs> animals. <laughs> and, and I've always seen the fairy godmother as Meryl Streep. I don't She's know. Not even played by Meryl Streep. I know. No. I always thought she was, but I I just make that connection in my head. So I'm gonna marry Meryl Streep, and I'm gonna marry the fairy godmother. I can't fault you for that. I'd marry Meryl in a heartbeat. But I will mm. say this: 
Kovu from The Lion King 2 is the sexiest cartoon there's ever been. And you guys have missed a trick. Jimmy, you did fine. You don't like him. You don't like a Jessica Rabbit. You're taking a... Kovu from Lion King 2 is hot. And that's all I'll say about it. And who are you killing, Julie? Oh, uh, yeah. It's going to be the fairy godmother, I think. So fair. So fair. Um, we've just about time for one last segment, but I believe you've had you've had some trouble with your research into gays who can or can't drive, Julie. Is that right? So after last week's uh, talk, I did look into wh- why why is this a thing? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it a joke from outside the, the gay community? Is it from the inside? It's a joke from the inside. For I believe context, it... sorry. Last oh, week no. we had a segment where Julie named gay people and we had to guess whether or not they could drive. Sorry, Julie, please continue. Now, now from my recollection, sorry, they yeah. could all drive. They could all drive. So this yes. wasn't a segment. They were, this was a lecture from Julie. About gays that can drive. I'm, I think we should do this as a quick fire round. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just, just see. Okay, you ready? But this stereotype comes from within the gay community. Oh, sorry. It comes from within, from gays moving into the city where you don't need cars. So who needs to drive? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But here's my question. Can these gays drive quick fire round? Can she drive? It's Kirsten Stewart. Yes, drive. Yeah. Okay, Owen's saying yes, I'll say no. Uh, she can drive and she's the happiest when driving. Okay, he can uh, travel across the seven seas, but can Frank Ocean drive? Yes. No. Ooh, yes, Frank Ocean would drive, but he's a car snob, according to GQ magazine. She could see into the future, but can she see the road ahead? Can Raven Simone drive? <laughs> no. No, I'm going to say no too. Oh, well, if I'm saying no, I'm saying yes. Oh, well, Raven, uh, Jimmy. Raven Simone can drive. Uh, she lives yeah. and drive in her teens. I I'm going to cut segment. this segment. <laughs> I hate this segment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad at this segment. I thought I was like, this will last a lifetime. No. 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 This segment's over. I'm sorry. If you've been listening for the cave driving <laughs> segment, don't come back. We've lost half the demographic, honestly, at that point. Who's gonna listen to us now? <laughs> <laughs> We're coming to the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um so Let's get overall ratings. Uh, as you've heard, Maeve and I had a blast watching this. I'm going to give it on a fast rating. I'm giving it 90 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And on a furious rating, I'm going to give it Tasmanian Devil. Oh, This was pretty furious. Jeez. Okay. I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to say on a fast level, this is... Um, one of those electric kid cars you see in a supermarket where the like or or in a big mall or shopping center mm-hmm. where a kid gets in the, and drives around but it's just some like a kind of electric car or, or it has pedals on it that's the mm-hmm. fast furious level genocidal wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay uh on fast when we talk about speed here i'm gonna say it is it's doing a 60 in a school zone, but it's doing a 60. Mm-hmm. And for Furious, I think, look into some breathing exercises. You need to calm down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next film we're going to be watching on the podcast is The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, 
which um, after we watched Too Fast, Too Furious, Maeve wanted to watch this immediately. <laughs> she was so pumped. I had to ask her if we could watch something else instead so I can watch it for <laughs> next week's episode. Um, so I'm excited for Tokyo Drift. I actually was on the phone to my younger brother this week and realized I've seen Tokyo Drift. I saw it many years ago and he was telling me he rewatched it last week and that it's, uh, it's shocking. It's very bad. So, Ooh, um, any of that's my a pred- break from the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> so I think any predictions I make are probably colored by having seen it many years ago and having forgot about it. So I'm, I'm going to go in blank. I'm not making any predictions. What about you guys? Any, any thoughts what might happen? Perhaps a dumb Toretto return. I think this might be the one he might come back to the franchise in some form. There was a great moment in this film. It was like an Avengers Endgame moment where two cars drove into a shed and then uh, uh, 200 cars drove out. All the street racers came together to help their friends, Brian and Dom. And I was, uh, Brian and Roman, sorry. I was thinking it would have been the perfect moment for just a little cameo. You just see driving among the cars. It's Dom Toretto. He's back. He's helping out his friend. Alas. Uh, Psych, not a true friend. I think for uh, Tokyo Drift, we're going to follow maybe the storyline of uh, Brian's pen pal that he had in school from Tokyo. We will follow the letter through the post box over to Tokyo, <laughs> and then he will receive it in his fast car and drive over a bridge to open it. Will we hear fast car? Jimmy, if we don't, I'm going to start sending emails. <laughs> <this point. laughs> oh my God. Oh, well, it's been too fast. Too furious. It's been too Too fast. fast. Too Too furious. So good. So good. Bye, guys. You're you're very welcome. If you'd like to hear more from Owen Potts, you can catch him at Owen Potts One Word on Instagram and coming soon, YouTube. This has been a Club Valentine podcast hosted by Jimmy Kavanaugh and Julie Duffy with Owen Potts' special guest and theme song by Owen Potts. What is he, sandwich crazy?